my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 537. And in joining me is my co-host, uh, my dad, Stephen Schaumler. Dad, how are you? I'm doing great right now that I've heard it. Oh, my goodness. I tell you, <laughs> 537 episodes still makes me smile, still brings me joy. I love it. I, uh, I'm getting close to the end of my time in Vegas. And uh, it's funny, the, the emotional journey the city takes you on. Like, the longer you stay, the more it kind of grates on you. The flashing lights, the weird Wild West attitude. Um, I, I I actually appreciate Vegas a lot, but it is, the word is like gaudy, right? This the amount of, you drive through the strip, I had to today, and the amount of like trucks that have like literal video screens on the side of them advertising. And there's it's kind of like a sci-fi movie, actually, where you're like, there's just screens everywhere, kind of like in, what's the Coruscant in Star Wars or something, where just there's so many lights and it's so, after a while, you just get tired of it. It's really interesting how at first I was in awe and I loved it. And then a week goes by and you're like, I'm really sick of those stupid effing lights. Like they just really are getting on me. It's funny. Yeah. When I was in banking a couple, I went to MGM grand and uh, mm-hmm. it was a vacation I do every so often, about every six months. And I could do three days, three, three nights. And then I'd leave the that next morning. And that was perfect for me, but I don't think I would have stayed longer. You know, I had a, a day where I was resting. I went to a couple of nice dinners. I saw a show. Um, and then I was out. Did you ever go in the summer? Yeah, I loved it in the summer because really? it's way cheaper. I bet it's an oven. It's, it's an, an oven, oven right? but things are way cheaper because nobody wants to go. And the pool is amazing. You can be in the pool for at least a half hour before your skin fries. <laughs> <laughs> I hear, I bet the guys who do cell, you know how like cell phones can overheat? Yeah. I, I bet like the Verizon stores get a lot of business in like July and August. Just people coming in like, my phone is melting. It won't turn on. Like I bet that happens. All You leave it by the pool for too long and it probably just fries. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because it gets really, really hot there. Um, the news of the day, and I'm really curious for, I want to, I want to talk briefly about this, not spend too much time, but because we've already done this, right. As a, as a, the, the same thing that happened last year happened once again, uh, our boy, Tom Brady has retired. Um, I look, there's not much to be said other than he's like, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, I, I didn't believe he was going to the Raiders, but I, you know, I was talking to Brett Coleman this week and he's like, well, you know, he's got a deal with the Wynn Hotel to put the TB12 gym there. And that kind of sold me. Um, but in the end, he's not going to Vegas and it appears, it appears that Tom Brady's done uh, in the NFL. What do you make of that? I, I think he's done. I watched his video and um, he said this time for good. And there was just a finality to it. I just think he's done. I think he's going to hang with his kids and, um, you know, rumor is he's going to be be on Fox and, you know, talk about football. And but I do. I, I think he's done. I think he's just done, done, done. And what do you think? Might have, yeah, go ahead. I have an interesting theory that based on nothing, just my experience with life and marriage and divorce. Everybody said he got divorced because he wanted to play football. What if he was already getting divorced and life sucked, and he loved football, and he said, screw it. Since I'm divorced, I might as well play another year or two. I, I love that, that theory. That changes well, everything. Of... So tell me your favorite Tom Brady memory. Oh, man. Um, I don't know that there is a specific moment. Like The moment that stands out maybe is the Atlanta Super Bowl where he came back and won. That was pretty crazy. But it's not a specific moment. It's really a feeling Tom Brady gave me, which was – 
every time Tom Brady got the ball at the end of a game, you know, minute 30 left, down five points, Tom Brady would get the ball. I loved the feeling of inevitability. You just knew he's going to go down the field and score. And how many times were we sitting on the couch where Brady gets a ball at the end and we're like, it's time, like it's going to happen. And it over and over and over again for a long span, years and years, there was an an inevitable feeling that when Tom Brady got the ball at the end of the game, he was going to make it happen and win. And um, I don't know, man. I just really, really will always appreciate that about him. Yes, he's the greatest of all time as far as – I don't even know what that means necessarily, but, like, he's awesome. He won a bunch. He's really cool. I was really heavily inspired by his work ethic. That was, like, the – I think that's what set him apart. But I the, – the new version of that is when Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow gets about the end of a game. You're like, it's going to happen again. But – Nothing will ever quite match the feeling I felt when Tom Brady would get the ball at the end because you just knew and he did it over and over again. What about you? Do you have a favorite Tom Brady moment or thing? Uh, yeah, because it, it, um, it leads into my football joy now. But um, well, we went to Cincinnati to see Tom Brady play. That was a fantastic mm. trip. Uh, the Bengals sucked. Uh, they were a terrible team. Uh, I'm still not sure about them organization, but they were a really bad organization, but I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with the city. So it was such a cool experience. We got to see Tom Brady, got to be with you. It was just an incredible trip. We got to have Skyline Chili. Uh, we filmed with Skyline Chili. We recorded a podcast with Skyline Chili. We had so many great adventures. And then the next year, Joe Burrow comes to Cincinnati. Now I love the city. I love Joe Burrow. And now he's done well by the city. So that just makes me happy. So it feels like Tom Brady brought that joy into my life. Think about this, man. We got to see Tom Brady play for the Patriots in his final year with the Patriots. I mean, like, I just, I'm really glad. It's one of those things we made it swing, you know, in December, was it 2019, I believe? We're like, let's just make it happen. And we got to see something. Well, that's an experience you can never have again. You can never go back and watch Tom Brady live play for the Patriots. And that's the kind of thing that I really value is, that's a really rare, unique, special thing we got to see that you can never have back. And it's like one of the, it's like a concert. You, you hear about legendary concerts that they only happen once and you got to be there. And I, I'm just really glad that we got to watch him live. I mean, that really to watch my favorite player of all time play live was pretty dang cool. Yeah. So for me, he's the greatest of all time. Uh, he's what that means for me is he's I've never seen anyone play quarterback better. Um mm. You know, and I understand better now. To me, it's pretty to my to my to my uneducated basketball eyes. Um, you know, I think LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. But now I understand people that defend Jordan because it's quite likely that maybe ten years from now, Mahomes will be as good as Brady or better, or Burrow. One of the two. I think they both have the capacity. But even if they are, I'll probably still be like, oh no, no. I want it to be Tom Brady because I have that emotional attachment that overrides any logic. Well, I got to say, Tom Brady, what's really cool about Tom Brady to me, he is not the most talented quarterback of all time. Like there have been guys who are better athletes with better arms that do crazier stuff. It's, it's his preparation, his leadership, his work ethic. Like Tom Brady did everything he could control and mastered it. You can't control how tall you are. Thankfully, it's like 6'4". You can't control whether you can run. You can get a little bit faster. If you're, you can only get so much faster. You, you, he wasn't a freak of nature athlete. But everything he could control, he mastered. He was a highly skilled player rather than a highly talented player. Does that make sense? Like, you can 
you can work on skills and get more skilled. And he's the most skilled quarterback ever to play. And that's what I really love about him is he just prepared hard and controlled everything he could control and dominated it. And even his people skills, just you hear a new player showing up in the locker room and he walks up and says, hey, my name's Tom. And they're like, I know who you are. Are you kidding me? You know, my dad played with you or whatever. And then he would DM people on his team, you know, happy anniversary or happy birthday. And those little things made a huge difference. And off-season workouts um, with his team, um, you know, there's quarterbacks that, you know, live in Wisconsin that won't even bother to have meet with their players. And that's why they lose. Uh, but Tom Brady did those kind of things. That's why he has so much more success uh, than I think a lot. Like you said, I love it. You know, I, Mahomes almost makes it look easy. Like he's just as gifted um, and he may, may work hard, but I don't get the same sense of his hard, hard work as it seems like Brady put in. Yeah, it's the appearance, right? It, it, when you start maybe where Tom Brady started <laughs> as this a terrible athlete who's slow and has a bad arm, like, and, and you watch, we talked last week about Jalen Hurts, how Jalen Hurts every single year we watch him, he gets better. Tom Brady quietly did the same thing. I mean, every year you watch Tom Brady, he was, his, his mechanics changed a little bit. His footwork got a little better here and there. He was just always improving. And I, I, I think that's just an really admirable quality in, in a person, let alone an athlete, is someone who's always working to get a little bit better at what they do. And I just think that's cool, man. I really, I, I understand if you're not a huge Tom Brady fan. But I've, I've learned I tend to not even get along with people that don't at least respect Tom Brady. I had a coach one time who I, I didn't like him to begin with. But what should have been a red flag for me is that he hated Tom Brady. And again, it's one thing to not like him. Like, I, I love Tom Brady. I'm a fan. I don't care if you're not a fan of Tom Brady. But if you don't at least respect baseline what he's done and his approach to the game, that's pretty weird to me. And I don't I just I've learned if. If people don't respect Tom Brady, I'm probably not going to get along with them on a human level either. It's kind of a weird little silly rule I have for life, but it's it's worked so far for me that it tends to be that people that don't respect Tom Brady tend to be people I don't get along with because our values are different. Yeah, well, that's a great way to put it. Your values are different, exactly. And I, 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 you know, I don't care about the Super Bowls. I'm happy on Super Bowls and all that. It's just like you said, the way he played the game, the way he conducted himself, it just seemed like he put the hard work in and made it happen. That's the thing that speaks to me. And and I, I want it. I said this before. I want to say, repeat it. Tom Brady's the American dream. Like Tom Brady's the idea of someone who starts from nothing and became a multimillionaire who dominated and won a bunch. And he's like a story of what hard work can really do for you. Hard work and preparation really does pay off. It paid off for Tom Brady. And I, I find that really inspiring. And I, I think that's really cool. And it's a, it's a story repeated throughout all kinds of forms of entertainment and mediums and whatever. But um, I just I love the story of someone who they succeeded by preparing hard and working really hard um, and having a great attitude. And that, that's just awesome to me. I really love that. And I think I read today, I think this is accurate, that he's eligible for the Hall of Fame, I think, in 2028. I may have that wrong, but I think that's right. And uh, if he doesn't get 100 percent of the votes, some sports writer is an idiot. I mean, I know the Baseball Hall of Fame is a joke. I think how that's run. And then baseball is so terrible uh, with all that nonsense. But, um, you know, baseball writers, both Hall of Fames, just are, I have no respect for them. They're just terrible human beings. But um, but I just, come on, he's got to get all the votes. Can't, can't, however they do it. I mean, he's just, anyways. I got to say, I look forward to his speech whenever that happens. And, and th- then there's the drama of, 
Bill Belichick being involved. And I'm sure Robert Kraft will be there, right? But what does he say about Bill Belichick in his, his Hall of Fame speech? I'm sure he mentions him. And if he doesn't, that's crazy. And I, I would I am rooting for five years from now a fun moment of them reuniting on a stage and giving each other a hug and celebrating together. I, I hope that's what we get to see five years from now. Um, I, I don't think they do. I don't think they dislike each other. I think the relationship came to an end and they moved on from each other, but I don't get the sense there's any animosity between Brady and Belichick. Um, and I, I hope that five years from now, the speech is awesome and we get to see them celebrating together. That'd be really cool. Well, and, um, you know, time distance, you tend to look back and say, wow, those were really special events. And there may have been mm-hmm. some heartache around it, but I'm going to, I, those are events and special achievements and accomplishments nobody else had. And I think it will sweeten that for them. And they'll want to, they'll want to raise a toast and remember that. Mm-hmm. I, that's very true. I love that. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Tom Brady, uh, it's the end of an era. It's, it's, which, which. I'm sad for it, but you know, what I love football is I feel like I've got um, I got Burrow and Mahomes that to me are like I'm not saying there's good ass, but as far as compelling to me and skill level and achievement, I got two more coming up just like it. Well, can I say we we had Brady and Peyton Manning in the AFC together. They played each other all the time. I always felt like one of those two guys was going to the Super Bowl, and they played each other regularly in the AFC title game to get into the Super Bowl. Now we have Burrow and Mahomes, and two years in a row now they've played each other to get into the Super Bowl, and there's a rivalry happening. And and I actually think the rivalry between Kansas City and Cincinnati and Burrow and Mahomes is even more fun than Brady and Manning because we have social media now. We have more cameras than ever before. And, frankly, the Patriots were, like, so (laughs) media lockdown. They wouldn't let you talk or have fun, whereas both Cincinnati and Kansas City allow their players to talk a little more and have more personality. So I think – Mahomes and Burrow is going to be an even more fun rivalry and an even more fun thing to watch than even Manning and Brady was. And I, that's, that's a crazy thing to say because Brady Manning Colts Patriots was such a legendary rivalry for years. And we might be on the cusp of an even better rivalry now. I, I, I love that thought. Yeah. I just, people that are fans of a team, I just want to encourage them that your team is going to have ups and downs um, unless you're a Cowboys fan and then you'll, you're just going to have downs. Um, but, but if you, <laughs> am I wrong? You can't help it. I just, you, the, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or the Cowboys, you can never hold your tongue and keep yourself from saying a cutting little thing at them. And I, it's so funny to me. I'm like, all right, man, you, you have fun with it. <laughs> I would encourage you if you're a fan of a team, your team's going to have ups and downs. And, um, if you can, it's fine. Like, what did you say the other day? Uh, I heard you say, um, you know, you're a Mariners fan and you can't, you can't get rid of being a fan or something like that. How, what's your phrase? You can't, uh, I'm emotionally connected. Like no matter what happens when they win, I'm happy when they lose, I'm sad. And I, I can't remove my emotion from it. Right. But that makes you a fan. You can't defan yourself. Or you said something in some pithy phrase. I love yeah. Yeah. So I get the people are fans of a team. And sometimes it's cool to be fans of a team. Um, what is the, here we go show. Uh, 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 Devin, he absolutely loves, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I love his passion for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so I don't want to take that from him, but if you can also step back and become a fan of the NFL and a fan of the stories and things that are happening, you know, the next 10 years um, can be a lot of fun, no matter which team you root for, because you'll have some heartaches and some victories. Hopefully every fan will have heartaches and victories the next 10 years, hopefully victories, but not everybody's going to have victories. You can't all win the Super Bowl, but you can have a lot of joy over the next 10 years because there's going to be great stories and great things that are happening. Maybe not with your team every year, but, but big picture. 
Yeah, no, I, I think Mahomes and Burrow are the the top two guys, but the other the other storylines behind them are like, can Russell Wilson revive his career? Uh, how about Justin Herbert on the come up? How about Josh Allen? How about Lamar Jackson? Like, there's so many crazy names and people to root for, and, and people that seem like, for example, the Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni. I don't know how you hate the guy. I I just I find him really likable, and there's so many people around the NFL that are likable and easy to root for on all kinds of different teams. And that's a pretty cool thing too. I love that. Yeah. Don't forget Caleb Williams. <laughs> we got one more year at USC first, but still. Okay. Um, other big news uh, that I woke up to this morning, um, Sean Payton to the Broncos. Are you kidding I, me? I am surprised. You know, it's, it took a long time and I was starting to lose faith that Sean Payton was ever going to go back to the NFL at least this year I thought because you know the the Saints had his rights still and I thought for sure he was going to take one more year off I I just was there was no buzz there was no hype he didn't appear to be going anywhere and this kind of came out of nowhere I was like oh my gosh and Denver traded away first round pick and a little bit more to get Sean Payton um I I gotta say I, I love the move I think you're so invested in Russell Wilson financially that you have to make it work and I think the most important figureheads on any football team in the NFL are quarterback and head coach. And they now have the head coach, right? At one point I felt like Russell Wilson was the right quarterback. I got to watch film, but I, I'm really curious. Russell Wilson not only wasn't very good this year, but he came across as weird. Like there's all these weird stories and he's getting made fun of a lot and the working out on the plane and like all the, does he does Russell Wilson strike you as a little bit cringy or a little bit inauthentic? I don't I think if he's inauthentic, it's not intentional. Mm-hmm. Um I think he doesn't know how to be authentic, and I think he wants to be. Um I just think he's really nerdy. Um honestly, I think he's just really a nerd. And I think if you would just lean into that, quit trying to be cool um, and say, I'm just a goofball. I'm just whatever, whatever it is, however his nerdy presents itself, I think that would be more authentic. But he's trying to have a good looking brand as opposed to having a real brand. Um, so you're saying he, he's more like Kirk Cousins, who's kind of a goofball and leans into it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So your uh, your stepmom, my wife, um, she's, you know, writing her book. She's written her book and she's working on getting it published, uh, falling in love with my career. And I'm going to help her with marketing. It's a thing I do. And so one of my, one of my thoughts, and I may not do this is I think I'm going to start a, a TikTok channel, uh, for book talk, specifically me, the husband promoting my wife's book. And so we're having fun. We had a meeting today about the book, I'm working on the audio stuff, and I'm really learning about publishing. We're doing all this, you know, really, you know, I'm a published author, but still, I'm still learning a lot from this experience. And so we were teasing and, you know, I said, well, I want a title then. If I'm going to make this TikTok account, I want a title promoting a wife's book because, you know, she's kind of private. She's not going to promote it like I will. And I can just authentically promote crap I love. I just, that's what I do authentically. I promote stuff I love. And I said, I want a title. And I said, like, I'll be the, the chief executive assistant or something. And she smiled and laughed and said, well, you can be, you can be my book boy. <laughs> and I said, well, I want to go from book boy and someday become book man. And maybe I can eventually be the chief executive book boy. Um, and we're laughing and I probably, if we do that, I probably will lean into that 
and say, yeah, I'm, I'm just the book boy. And I'll say things, you know, I normally say, hey, don't look at me. I'm just the eye candy. She's the brains of the operation. Um, but I can I can say that and have fun and be self-deprecating that way. And I don't care if like, oh, it's kind of demeaning. You're the book boy. It's like, well, someday I'll grow up and be the book man because I really just want to promote it. And I think that some kind of that free wheel, wheeling goofiness somehow somewhere is inside of Russell Wilson. And I think the enthusiasm he got with Pete Carroll was kind of kind of kind of got toward it. But he's trying to look cool and upright and dress sharp and be nice and, you know, be this professional when I think his actual personality is just different. There are so many times where he'll do an interview, for example, after like the 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 Colts game this year, which is just an awful, awful football game on Thursday night. Thursday, just a horrible, probably the worst game of the year. Thursday night football, it was a, just a disaster. And Russell Wilson, like after the game, was saying all the right stuff on paper, like, and it, it felt totally fake. I'm like, you're not frustrated. He never said this sucks. I hate losing. And I, I wanted that from Russ. I wanted Russell Wilson to say like, obviously, I'm not having fun. I want to win. And it, he he refuses to ever go to a point of he'll never say anything negative, and I think it actually hurts him. Because his teammates are like waiting for him to be like, what do you mean? Like, you're always so, we're going to figure it out. It's so positive at a, at a point that gets grading. When you're losing over and over again, it's like, we want to hear what you really think, which is you're frustrated. It's okay to say that. And he just refuses to ever be negative. That's what I mean by saying he's inauthentic. It's, he's so aware of the impact of what he's saying. And I think he's over overcorrecting and, and thinking maybe too much about it. I don't know how to explain that right, but he's he's over... Um, overthinking i think every answer he's giving which is is really irritating to me i think when you're not comfortable with who you are and you know that you're what you present matters i think that creates a disconnect mm-hmm. so i don't think he's trying to deceive i don't think he's trying to be somebody he's not i just think he's not comfortable with who he is like i'm comfortable being being a bit goofy and people thinking i'm a bit stupid because because i'm not i'm really really smart i'm really amazing i'm incredibly good looking um and even now I'm saying that kind of tongue in cheek, but I mean, but I, I'm at peace with who I am. And that makes it easy to have a little give and take and some joking and things. And if he's not centered inside with who he is and who he is, if he's been led to believe it's not okay to be that kind of whatever, however his nerdy presents itself. Um, you know, I sent you the link and I put it out on my Instagram story to, um, you know, DC, DC, their new slate of movies. Uh, and I'm so excited about that. And I'm, I'm excited about Swamp Thing and Creature Commandos. Are you kidding? I read that. And I don't mind that people, there'll be people that are fans of mine that'll go, oh, that's stupid. They don't even want to, they don't even want to hear that I know that stuff, but I'm okay. It's part of me and I like it. And I think there's parts of us that he just hasn't embraced yet. So I don't think he's trying to deceive. That's fair. Well, I don't think it comes from a bad place. And I, in, in one of my favorite books that I read when I was a kid was Drew Brees' book, Coming Back Stronger. It's all about how they won a Super Bowl in New Orleans. And he tells a story that early on in his time in New Orleans, he kept under, like he's coming off of this crazy shoulder injury. And like one of his first practices back, he keeps throwing the ball in the dirt, like under throwing every receiver. And it's, it's really weighing on him. It's He's like frustrated and it's getting worse and worse. And he's kind of embarrassed. Like he's supposed to save this franchise. with a starting quarterback and he can barely get the ball where he's trying to throw. And Sean Payton said this little thing. He said, use your legs. You're just missing one aspect. And it clicked like that, and suddenly every throw is on target. And I I would imagine that there's any coach who can fix or revive Russell Wilson, for lack of a better word, and, and fix his career and get him back on track, it is Sean Payton. And I, I think the hire is great. 
Um, I, I think he does. Russell Wilson is going to work really hard. And I think when you have someone, I, how do I even say this? Like when you give a person who works really hard, the right path and say, just follow your coaching, do this thing. He always got to be given a plan to follow and he's going to kill it. And I think Sean Payton's the right person to create a plan for him to get back on track and win and dominate. And I think they're a match made in heaven. I, I really am excited. Do you feel pretty good about Sean Payton and Russell Wilson working together? You know, no quarterback has ever fallen off a cliff without without like some kind of injury like Russell Wilson has. It's never happened before. So mm-hmm. it, I just, I wonder if the issue is not in his body, but between his ears. So his, his uh, I, I don't even know the word for it. He had a guy, like his advisor basically, who was helping him. Yep. Kind of a psychologist, but kind of not. He died. Uh, yep. And that appears to be affecting him a lot. Yeah, and, he and probably, I'll go back to – well, go ahead. He probably didn't give himself permission to grieve. Mm. Yeah, and I think – so I think if anyone can help him, it's it's a weird enigma to me. So I think – I speculate the issue is up here more than anything else and maybe here yeah. in his heart, maybe not grieving because um, if you don't grieve, grieve you know, like going to the bathroom. That's funny and it's pithy, but if you don't grieve, bad things happen just like if you don't go to the bathroom. But I think the the where Sean Payton comes in, I really I really believe this is I think he will do a fantastic job of being a healthy authority, which can give father energy to Russell Wilson, the safe dad, the caring dad that encourages you. Um, and Pete, we Carroll, know Russ's dad died too. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Whereas I think Pete Carroll never. I would want to have Pete Carroll be my coach, but never my dad. When Nathaniel Hackett. The coach Denver had this year seemed kind of starstruck by Russ. Like there wasn't a, you said the word authority. Nathaniel Hackett was not didn't exactly like the grown up in the room. He was like the kid who was happy to be there. Oh my god, I get to work with Russ. It's so amazing. And I, I think that's not what Russ needs. He, you're right. He needs an authority figure. But I, there's there's two aspects here. He needs a coach to give him a game plan, like a a plan on the field. Here's the playbook. Here's how we're going to learn it. We're going to put you in a good position with the right formations and the right play calls, all that stuff. So you got to be set up to succeed football wise, but then there's the creativity of being a head coach that is getting the best out of your players and giving them psychologically and emotionally what they need. I guarantee Sean Payton is cut out for that. I I really, really have confidence. Sean Payton's got to give Russ the leadership and emotional encouragement. He really needs to succeed. I just couldn't feel better that there's a coach more prepared to put Russell Wilson in the position he needs to succeed on the field and off the field. That the Broncos make the playoffs. Hmm. I don't know that they're winning the game. I don't know that they'll, they may yeah. or not be good enough to win the game, but they got the horses. They got, they got the skill players. They have the coach. And if anybody can pull it off, Sean Payton can, and I will not be surprised. I think they will make the playoffs. Um, and the other thing is that if, if Russell Wilson is toast, Sean Payton will bench him. Period. Yeah. That's it. Period. He, 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 he gives no F's. He will do everything he can to help him. But if you're just done, 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 he's not going to keep throwing good matches on a wet log. He will mm-hmm. just start the kid that, that is, that is okay. Cause with just an okay player quarterback, Sean Payton can make magic happen. Let I me mean, Jameis Winston. Hello. That's all you got to say. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it's an interesting thought. Denver's going to be better. I think than they were. And then you look around the league, and I think about the teams that made the, the playoffs this year. Miami made the playoffs. They were, uh, you know, they were one and done. 
The Vikings made the playoffs. They lost in the first round. The Chargers made the playoffs. They lost in the first round. There's so many teams that are going to get better around the Chargers and the um, the Seattle Seahawks made it for the first time. That you know they made it and lost in the first round. I think the 49ers are going to be really good, but the Rams are going to be better than they were last year. Matthew Stafford's going to be hurt. They're going to be healthy. Uh, I think Arizona could be better next year with the right head coach. Denver's going to be better. Uh, the Lions are going to be way better than they were this year. I think the Packers are going to be better with Jordan Love. The Bears are going to be better. It's interesting that my point here is that as I look around the NFL, a lot of the teams that didn't make the playoffs this year seem to be in a position to be much better next year. And there's going to be this interesting movement around the NFL. And I wonder how many teams that made the playoffs this year are going to be back again next year. Because I think Kansas City is going to be back. Probably Cincinnati is going to be back. Probably Philly. But I think there could be a lot of fluctuation and changes uh, this year to next year based on the certain teams that make it in. Yep. That'll be fun. I look forward to having discussions next um, August uh, about that. Because, like, I, 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 Bills aren't going to be as good when they make the playoffs or not. I don't know. Um, the Patriots got, a, Patriots got an offensive coordinator. I think they're going to be better. Yep. Uh, you know, Arizona's not going to be better. Um, they still have Kyle Murray. So, but, well, what's crazy, I thought maybe they were – I thought that was where Sean Payton would go was Arizona. And I, I'm surprised that he's going to Denver. I just, I thought he would work. What, what's clear to me, because you would have believed Sean Payton had to sign off on this. Like he, he's, if he doesn't want to go to Denver, Denver's not going to make the move to trade for him. Why did Sean Payton prefer to work in Denver with Russell Wilson than in Arizona with Kyler Murray? Because we would imagine the conversation happened. Like there, at some point, Arizona made an offer, I would think. To work with Sean Payton. What is Russell Wilson's greatest asset, greatest strength as a quarterback? You said it. He works hard. Mm. He's a hard worker. Do you get any, does any energy leak out of Kyler Murray to you that he's a hard, disciplined worker? That you can tell him, study this book, run these routes, run these laps, do these push-ups, whatever the work is. If you give Russell Wilson, you need to move these 50 bricks every day over here and over here, he'll just freaking do it. I think Kyler Murray will not. He does not seem to me to be a hard worker. So I want to, um, I don't challenge you here, but I, I was talking to Marcus Whitman about this the other day. Marcus Whitman, that franchise guy, friend of the show. And he pointed out that, you know, Kyler Murray's really accomplished on the field. Offensive rookie of the year, Heisman Trophy, all this stuff. And on one hand, I don't think you can get, you can succeed as much as Kyler Murray has with no preparation. But what is true to me is that the energy that leaks out of Kyler Murray is not the same intensity as Russell Wilson. There's a hunger and a desire. And you're right, there. I, I am I am sure whatever you put in front of Russell Wilson is going to get done and then some. He's going to go above and beyond. I don't know that Kyler Murray goes above and beyond every time. And you're right. Who would you rather work with? The guy who you know is going to go above and beyond or the kid you who's talented and you have doubts about? I think Kyler Murray can get away with mu- not much work because he's an incredibly gifted athlete. And I think he's relied on that. And I think the longer that he's in the NFL, the less he's going to get a little bit less stronger and faster every year, even if it's just half a percent. But half a percent every year, if that 5% could make a difference after 10 years. And I just don't get the sense that he works hard. I don't believe that he works hard. He may, but I don't see it. I don't hear it. I'm not buying it. And the other thing I think is that I think Sean Payton doesn't want, wants to have the freedom 
to bench the guy that really can't get the job done. And they have seemed more loyal to Kyler Murray and the bright, shiny object of Kyler Murray than they are to winning. And I don't think that's going to be the case in Denver. Do you think that Sean Payton can make Russ a more effective leader? I think if Sean Payton, I I think indirectly, because I think he will help him get more comfortable with who he is. And if he's more real with who he is and less polished, I think real um, Russell Wilson is not as polished. And then that realness will, his hard work already earns respect. His achievements already earn respect. And then if he's more, more real and less polished, I think the people will like him and people aren't going to follow you if they don't like you. More polished meaning the slick back hair and the presentation style. Of- yeah. Yeah. I just don't think that's really him. Hmm. Quit trying it's to be polished. Just be you. But it's if you so don't feel safe being you, you can't be. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a, it's fun to look forward to with Russell Wilson. How does he act in interviews? How, like, it's just so fun to follow this stuff, to see like everything. Cause the Microsoft is going to be on Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. And I, I can't wait to see what we, like what, what happened? It's like a science experiment. What's going to happen. I don't know. And I love that. It gives me comfort and joy to look forward to, to seeing this stuff play out that could go either way. And I, there's so many possibilities here and it, it, it just gives me so much joy to have somebody to look forward to, to see how it's going to play out in Denver with Russ and uh, Sean Payton. All right. And the Houston Texans have a new head coach. Yeah. The Texans hired D'Amico Ryans who, um, so I, I, I did a guest appearance on uh, the fully inflated football podcast, Marcus Whitman's show. Great. I love the guy. Like what he's probably my, I, there's two content creators I listen to. I listen to, Brett Coleman and I listen to Marcus Whitman. I had lunch with both of them this week at the same time. And I was sitting here like, cause I don't listen to anyone else in the sports media, but I'm like, Hey, these are the two people that have been in my eardrums for years of my life. And I got to have lunch with them. That was very, very cool. And uh, Marcus, when I was on his show made a great point that, and I, he said it all weekend, which is that Houston hired the, what appears from a optic standpoint, the best head coach available. We can talk. I, I don't like that they hired D'Amico Ryans because of he's a defensive coach and I have problems with all that. But the one benefit here for Houston is what Marcus pointed out, that from inside the building, it's a it's a move that's respectable. It's you putting pulling your pants up and and trying to do something really positive. It gives the appearance of we're trying to win. We're trying to get our act together. We hired this really competent, awesome head coach with energy who played for our organization And I don't know if you know this, D'Amico Ryan's made like $50 million as a player in the NFL. He played linebacker for nine years. That that makes me love him. He is not here for the money. D'Amico Ryan's loves football, and I think he's going to end up very similar to what we see with Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. A high-energy coach that players love to play for, who probably doesn't have the right quarterback. And we, we worry about Tennessee and Ryan Tannehill, and the offense always seems like a problem. But the defense is going to be good. The players are going to fight hard. And I think they're going to be a little more buttoned up than they've been in the past years. Is that going to work long-term? Again, I look at Mike Vrabel. Is Mike Vrabel ever going to win a Super Bowl in Tennessee? I don't think so, but it's better than it was in Houston. How do you feel about all that? Uh, I agree. I don't. I like him as a person. I like him yep. as a human being, amazing human being, phenomenal. Um, you know, I... You know, some of the people that I say this about, you know, I, I have no business, but I mean, and like, oh, it'd be awesome to have him as a son. How cool is that? I'm older now, so I just look at it different. Like, oh, man, I'd be great. So awesome be to be his dad. Him. Yeah, I'd be so yeah. proud of him. So proud of him. Um, just phenomenal person. 
Uh, and the fact that he's made a lot of money and he loves football, so he's still, that's all good. I, I just don't like that he's – I just – if I owned a team, I would not hire a defensive head a, a def, someone that came up through the defense that was a head coach. I just think that's – you're not going to get to the Super Bowl, but they're going to be way better, and I like that they gave him a six-year contract. Yeah, so I, I think, again, D'Amico Ryans will hit a ceiling at some point, but that's fine. Look at where Houston is. You would take any anything better than what like, – you. Where, so let's look at Buffalo. He's got a defensive head coach and appears to have hit a ceiling with, um, what's his face? I can't even, Sean McDermott, Sean McDermott, right? Yep, yep. Well, Buffalo is, I think, would be healthy to say, we don't want to just get to the second round of the playoffs and lose every year. But where Houston is right now, that's a much better improvement. So even if D'Amico Ryans can't win a Super Bowl in Houston, that conversation doesn't matter right now. They just got to get their act together. And I think he's the guy to instill a culture and, build them up if that makes sense i don't know that he's gonna get it's like starting a road trip at, from new york to la and Demico ryan's can get them at least halfway across the country i don't know if he can make the drive all the way to la but he can get them a long distance and do something better and get them in the right direction and, and maybe someday they have to hire things you know hand things off to a different head coach to get them even farther but that's i don't think you worry about a super bowl if you're the houston texans you're just trying to not be the worst team in the nfl and i think Demico ryan's does that for houston um, I think the players will love him. There's a, he's going to be respected, and they're going to fight hard, and that's all good stuff. I see nothing but positive, even if long-term it's a bit lacking because, again, I worry who's going to work with the quarterback, and what about, you know, that's the most important position in football is your quarterback. Um, I, I just think that this is a step in the right direction, even if there are some things to be lacking still with hiring D'Amico Ryans. So I don't want to steal your thunder, but I have uh, the next topic. I have a – an unorthodox, unorthodox thought. Now, you know, I approach it just like a clueless fan, but um, I do think that Vic Fangio will be a defensive coordinator in the NFL. And I do not think he'll be with Miami. Really? Yeah. Why do you say that? Because he, guess who now, where was uh, the new quarterback or the new head coach of the Texans? The San Francisco 49ers. And guess who now needs a defensive coordinator? Well, there's there's a lot to this, if I may. Do, do you know any any reason why Vic Fangio is highly connected to the Bay Area? No. So I, I guess I asked you that question. That was kind of mean. I knew you didn't know the answer. <laughs> um, Vic Fangio has been working at Stanford. They gave him a office in Palo Alto. He's been working and living in the Bay Area and and then advising for the Philadelphia Eagles, but living in in Palo Alto, working in, in the Bay Area. Now, Mike McDaniel used to coach for the 49ers. He's well connected to the 49ers organization. And I, I think we from when you step back, you go, okay, the 49ers are about to lose their defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans. They're probably gonna hire Vic Fangio. And I think what happened was because it's been announced that Vic Fangio is gonna be go the be the defensive coordinator in Miami. Mike McDaniel went, bing, 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 bing. Uh, how about I swoop it and steal the guy before the 49ers can get their hands on him? That's what happened. I love that. I think it's awesome. You you have something to say here, but I, I, for me, it sounds like Vic Fangio doesn't want to be a head coach ever again in the NFL. He hated the responsibility of coaching Denver and trying to deal with the quarterback, and he just wants to focus on the defense and let an offensive genius run the offensive side of the football. So That's exactly I- what Mike McDaniel's going to do for – Vic Fangio in Miami. 
Go ahead. If I understand it, Miami said or implied, hey, we find Fangio. And Fangio's like, uh, just a minute. I haven't actually taken the job yet. So there's another team in addition to the 49ers that Fangio now, if you look at these three teams, I think that Miami comes in second or third. Interesting. So let me ask you. So you ready for my next team? No, I want to, I want to, I want to ask you this first. So I, I didn't under, I missed something. I saw the announcement Miami saying we got Vic Fangio and that's not quite true. Apparently Vic Fangio said, I haven't signed anything yet. Correct. I, I missed that. I didn't realize that that's, that's bad news for Miami because I thought they swooped in and stole him before anyone else could get their hands on him. No, it sounds like Vic Fangio is using this as leverage to get a better offer financially from other teams. I would think. So here's another team that's rumored to be in talks with Vic Fangio, the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I knew it. I knew, I'm not shocked. And uh, well, so when Vic Fangio coached the Denver Broncos, their defense was awesome. Like they really were. And it's a lot of the same players still there. Oh, man. So if you're, if you're Vic Fangio and you can choose between, you get to choose between Denver, um, the 49ers, or Miami, um, I don't know why you would choose Miami because Miami is not going to win as many games next year as they did this year. And they are not an ascending team. And the 49ers are going to be, you know, they're going to be the, you know, it, Top four, you know, if we had college football rankings for NFL, they'd be ranked number four better when the year starts, even though they don't have a quarterback. I would go to Denver. So would I, because you get to work with Sean Payton and you have a, you have a good, you have a, a ownership that seems willing to spend money. And how cool would it be to coach with Sean stinking Payton? I, I just love the uh, the fact that he, he was the head coach there and might end up back there again. It's just very interesting to me, but I, I really... I don't. I know that he doesn't care. I know for me, I'd be like, "Well, Miami is nice, and there's no state income tax. That'd be awesome." I. I don't. Another really interesting question is who's got the most stable quarterback situation, right? Because coach, head coach, and quarterback are the most important positions. And if you're Vic Fangio looking at these three teams, you got Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, this weird controversy, and Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, Russell Wilson, and Sean Payton in Denver, and then Mike McDaniel and Tua in Miami. I don't trust Tua if I'm looking at that job. And I'm like, look, Mike McDaniel, you got to have a, a great quarterback. I like Mike McDaniel. They're this awesome young guy, but I don't know that Tua is going to work out. Kyle Shanahan's cool. He's a great coach. They got a loaded football team, but I have questions about the quarterback situation. You got questions about Russell Wilson, but uh, if Sean Payton doesn't work with Russell Wilson, Sean Payton's still going to be there. He's not going to lose his job. See, so it's job security with a coach who trusts. And I think maybe uh, of the three coaches, you could work with Kyle Shanahan, Sean Payton, or Mike McDaniel, who's the most stable, secure. And I think he would have more kinship with an older guy, Sean Payton, than the young guys, Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel. Uh, I didn't know that it was up in the air. And now knowing that I'm, I'm pretty confident that Vic Fangio is going to go to Denver. Actually, that, that surprises me. I, I, I thought it was a done deal of him going to Miami. Um, and, uh, Oh man, I, I think him going to Denver is very enticing and crazy because again, he was once very recently the head coach there. Yeah, it was the NFL Network and the NFL Network reporters who reported that um, Fangio to the Dolphins had agreed to make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. But then shortly after that, a lot of reporters, including Mike Silver of the San Francisco Chronicle, said, "Uh, uh-uh, not so fast." And now yeah. other the other news outlets news outlets are reporting that now the the Denver Broncos are um, in talks, and you can bet your bippy. 
um, that as soon as he said yes, Sean Payton immediately called Fangio because Sean, Sean Payton's an incredible recruiter. Yeah, and a verbal agreement isn't a contract signed. Yeah. And all a verbal agreement is is leverage. Well, and he may not have even had that much, and someone could have tried to put leverage and like, hey, we'll make it, we're going to, we're going to, you know, but you just don't do that. You just don't go public until it's done. It backfires. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So uh, the um, Cowboys, which I predicted would lose more games um, next year than they did, uh, you know, do even worse next year than this year. They dumped my my opinion, not what's reported. Uh, my sources tell me. Uh, my sources inside the Cowboys locker room. Just kidding. Oh, yeah. You had those for sure. I have I, the I'm, sources. I'm oh, sure. yes. Um, yeah, yeah. You're, you're actually best friends with Dak Prescott. Um, you call him every day, I have no doubt. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they unceremoniously dumped um, Kellen Moore. They got rid of Kellen Moore. Now, I know it was reported they agreed to part ways, but I think as soon as um, goofball Mike McCarty said, oh, well, we don't know about Kellen Moore. He'll be evaluated like everybody. I can't. And then the next coach, oh, yeah, the defensive guy's staying, but we're not sure about Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore's like, F you. I'm out of here. Yeah, that, that's so. That's what happened. I don't know that the Cowboys fired Kellen Moore. They alluded that they might, and it's, I think they alluded they were gonna. I, so here's what happened: the Cowboys said we're going to do a long evaluation process of all our head coaches, or sorry, of all our, of our coaching staff, and evaluate who's coming back and who's not. And they very publicly kind of threw Kellen Moore into the bus, say we're going to evaluate Kellen Moore really heavily. And Kellen Moore was like, "You are? Well, then I can get a job somewhere else where I'm actually wanted." It's like. You're dating a girl who's like, I'm not sure if I like you. And you're like, well, okay, then I'll go find someone who's excited to go on a date with me. I'm not going to waste time with someone who's not sure if they like me or not. Kellen Moore was self-aware. I can get a job in Houston or L.A. or all, all, all over the NFL. There's going to be lots of opportunities for him. And I, I, what's really fun about the Cowboys firing or, or dragging their feet and not being sure if they like Kellen Moore and allowing him to leave is that I think they're about to get worse. I think losing Kellen Moore is really bad. And I, I don't even, I don't even love Kellen Moore. He's like very solid as an offensive coordinator, but now you're going to have Mike McCarthy. I believe even more involved in the play design and the play calling and the offense. And that's a terrible idea from my perspective. The reports I read is that he's going to be calling the plays next season, Mike McCarthy. And that's, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That man has not met a creative streak he's ever liked. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I, we say it all the time. The Cowboys just get in their own way constantly. And this is another example of that. And it's it's Jerry Jones getting in his own way. Well, and you know it's it's and some of your some some of your listeners will um, will resonate with this. You know, in some you know it's important what your family values are, and in a lot of families, an important family value is blame. Who did this? Who do we blame? And I think they decided this year they're going to pin it all on Kellen Moore. That's why that's why um, Dak Prescott didn't do as good. It was Kellen Moore. So as long as you can blame Kellen Moore and get rid of him, well, now the problem. Now everything's a okay. You need a fall guy. You need a scapegoat and someone to blame. In unhealthy, in unhealthy family systems. Uh, Britt Frank, she has an incredible book, um, The Science of Unstuck. Um, it, or the Science of Stuck, or Getting Unstuck, or something. I'll find it. I'll, the Science it's, of Stuck. It's a blue book. Phenom- it's in my truck. It's called The Science of Stuck. Who, where, how did you get that book? Uh, someone really smart gave it to me. <laughs> but it's an amazing book, and it has a chapter on a little section on different ways families are screwed up with little stick figure diagrams that I absolutely love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? And it's easy. It's like, oh, I get it. 
And even though she writes in a very accessible format, but unhealthy families do that all the time. And there's no way that the Cowboys are a functional family. And so how is Kellen Moore wants to be a head coach? He's getting closer to being a head coach, being at the bad Chargers who aren't going to win than being at the bad Cowboys who aren't going to win. Yeah, so let's let's be clear. And if anyone's not quite sure what happened, the L.A. Chargers have hired Kellen Moore to be their next offensive coordinator. And um, I think it's kind of interesting. You know, there's a commercial going around. Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert once did a commercial together for some, I don't even know. So it seemed like an electricity company. I'm not really sure what it was, but it was funny. And I, I, I highly encourage people to look it up. It's goofy and silly, but there it's clear. They know each other behind the scenes. And Kellen Moore is a former quarterback, played at Boise state, then played for the Cowboys and was a backup for years, became the offensive coordinator in, in Dallas. I'm excited for Kellen Moore to work with Justin Herbert. I think it's going to be really fun and interesting. Um, I, I don't feel great about Kellen Moore becoming a head coach. I, I'm not sure. I just don't know, but it's going to be really interesting. You got Brandon Staley, the head coach running the defense, another young coach, Kellen Moore running the offense and this young, um, I just think the energy in LA is really interesting. I don't know how far they're going to get, but um, I think Kellen Moore just got like a Ferrari working with, he went from a really, a Mustang's an awesome car. They're fast. They're fun. They're kind of loud, but we would both agree a Ferrari is a much better sports car than a, a Ford Mustang. He's going from a, pretty solid sports car to like some of the best you can buy. And I think Kellen Moore going to work with Justin Herbert's a really exciting thought. I think it's going to be really cool. Now, I don't know if you ever followed F1. You know, I'm big into F1. Oh, you're it, big into F1. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. 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 There's, a, uh, there's a cool movie, Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. And who, who won that? Come on now. Are you ever going to – so that's a fun thought. Is this a football show or are we ever going to talk Formula One? <laughs> are we ever going to talk – Formula One days might be over, but if I can get you to watch an F1 race, I would love that. I'll come to your house and sit with you and make you watch it. <laughs> so you you got to watch Drive to Survive, the Netflix series. It will make you interested, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said I got to watch Formula One, and, and my answer is God, I hope not. <laughs> um, I think the only thing worse would be NASCAR. Let's just drive, turn left the whole time. Oh man, no, dude. Formula One's actually exciting. I, I'm, oh yeah, I'm a weird. I'll be a nerdy fan and won't make content about it. I'll just be quietly a fan who watches every week, and <laughs> I'll be like, "Hey, Dad, this thing happened," and you'll be like, "Don't only talk about it for like a minute. Don't don't waste too much time on this." <laughs> All right. Um, I, I feel like uh, you know, I feel like there's a uh, maybe we should talk about Rocket Money. Yeah, we got a sponsor this week. And my question for you and my question for the audience is, are you wasting money on subscriptions? 80% of people have subscriptions they have forgotten about. Maybe it's an unused Amazon Prime account or a Hulu account you haven't used in a long time. Well, there's this great app I use that helps me track all the money I spend. Like I asked the question, what exactly am I spending and what am I spending it on? So I owe a huge thank you to Rocket Money. They have sponsored the show. Rocket Money used to be known as Truebill. And the Rocket Money app shows you all of your subscriptions in one central location in one place and then cancels whatever you don't want. And Rocket Money can even help you find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. Literally, this happened to me. I was, I've was i told the story before. Uh, I had this SoundCloud account. I couldn't figure out how to cancel and Rocket Money solved my problem. I went on the app. I hit cancel. It was gone and done for. And again, you'll, you'll find it being double charged or you might have subscriptions you're not sure of. It's nice to see it all in one place. And actually, another added benefit to Rocket Money is that when you see all your subscriptions in one place, it's kind of a reminder to 
Oh, I should I should probably if I'm not gonna get rid of HBO Max, I should probably watch it and like get something out of it. It's kind of a a fun way to keep track of everything and makes you appreciate what you are paying for even more. And if you want to cancel a subscription, it's really easy. There's a cancel button, you hit it, and Rocket Money takes care of all the rest. So go to rocketmoney.com slash SOS to cancel useless subscriptions now. It could literally save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash SOS to cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash SOS. They're a great sponsor. Genuinely, I I like them. I think they're good. They'll save you some money. And in today's economy, in 2023, you should do everything you can to save money. (laughs) So um, thank you to Rocket Money. All right. So I got a Rocket Money story for you. So, you know, people okay. are listening to Strong Opinion Sports. They're downloading it, listening to it as a podcast under podcast, you know, like Apple Podcasts or iTunes Podcasts or Spotify, right? Those kind of places. Mm-hmm. Some people watch it on YouTube. Correct. Episode 536, we had a comment from Roanoke42, and he told this really cool story. This is just last week. I mean, 536, episode last week, last week's episode. Um, he's so excited that Rocket Money is sponsoring Strong Opinion Sports. By the way, please follow Strong Opinion Sports on Instagram. Um, and, uh, he said that he had, that there, according to him and that he loves rocket money that helped him a lot and have a program where rather than that the money you save goes into a savings account and that he ended up putting the money into a savings account. And then he ended up short for a thing and discovered, Oh, the money I need is in the rocket money savings account. So it really helped him in a time of need. So I think that's a great story. And, uh, thank you to Roanoke 42 for sharing that story and for being a, uh, a watcher and a listener of strong opinion sports. And if you're if you're listening on iTunes and you're not sure where to find the show on YouTube, let's be clear. There's a new new YouTube channel called Strong Opinion Sports Weekly, where we post the full episode of the podcast to go listen to it and watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch the show, the full version on YouTube, go to Strong Opinion Sports Weekly on YouTube and you will find it. Yeah, and the first the first five thirty five was our first one filming, and I look like some kind of ghastly villain because my I'm a, you know technologically challenged because I'm old. <laughs> Um, the second episode, there was a glitch because I'm old. But this first episode, the third one, it will be good to watch, and I look amazing. Well, well the, the last week's episode, there's just audio. <laughs> right, exactly. There's just audio because I, I screwed up again. Did you post just a black screen, or what'd you do? Just like the thumbnail for like an hour? Like, what did you do? <laughs> did you post just like a? A, a picture of the thumbnail for like an hour unmoving. I put the thumbnail for just a few seconds. And then I put, Hey, dude, an unfortunate glitch. This is this, <laughs> this week is audio only. And then I put another thing and stretched it out for the whole length. I'll have to teach you some stuff about how to edit video. I, I know a tremendous amount. I think, now. No, I, I think I actually have some ideas that'll help you edit the audio version. I, um, when I get back, I got I'm pretty proud of my audio skills. And, uh, I think I could, with those couple tweaks we could make, make it sound even better in the future. I'm pretty excited. Okay, sounds uh, let's good. Talk about, let, let's talk about Kansas City and Cincinnati first, if, if we can. We'll talk about the next one second. Uh, unless, would you rather start with the boring game? That would make no, sense I'd rather, me, I No, I want to I close with the game that I actually enjoyed that didn't make me want to quit football. <laughs> oh, I don't know which one that could be, actually. The Bengals so Chiefs. Which one do you wanna... I want to so start the... with the Bengals Chiefs because I was so discouraged it... I wanted to quit football. You were really frustrated watching Kansas City Cincinnati. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It was. You were openly rooting for Cincinnati. So what? What happened? Tell me about it. The ref. It was every. Lots of people I respect said it was horribly officiated. 
And, and I normally don't care about horribly officiated. And just to be clear, I do not think the NFL is rigged. I think that's nonsense. I do think that someone on that coaching staff was paid off. It was it was so bad that I, I – mean the I, ref. The, the ref. ref. Someone on the refs. I mean, yeah. One of the refs. I don't think the NFL is rigged, but I think that game was rigged. I, I don't think the NFL didn't do it. I just think some of – one of those coaches or all, a couple of them, I don't know if someone I mean, kidnapped refs. their kids. One of the refs. Refs, sorry, yeah. Kidnapped their kids or or paid them a lot of money or something. You know, Albert Breer said it, said it very well. I respect Albert Breer. He's level-headed. He said the officiating in that game was absolutely atrocious – wrecked a great game and that's what it did for me is it wrecked a great game um mike greenberg who i respect he says um the officiating this game was unimaginably terrible and very one-sided and 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 i lost my mind when um they they ran a play that didn't go the uh chief's way and they gave them a do-over and said oh that down never happened and they were trying to explain it to um uh, to Zach Taylor on the sidelines, and if it were me, I was yelling, "Throw the throw the red flag! Like challenge that! That is so ridiculous! That is so I like it, 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 so they got they got a penalty on the fifth down, which gave them a first down. You shouldn't get five downs in football. That's not the way the game's played. There's a lot of other bad calls. I can forgive some of those missed calls, but I, that one was beyond egregious to me, and it lost my mind. I'm so glad we did record. If I needed a couple of days to get my head around it, but um... I, I have a lot to respond with. If you want some thoughts, I have a very level-headed approach to this that I think is interesting, and it'll be really fun to hear your response to my long monologue. Okay, I have a lot to say here. Okay, number one is this: um, I, I I actually don't think the calls ended up really affecting the game, which is really interesting. And I, I, I let me let me finish before you come. I know I know you won't like this. Um, the, at best, so the, it was totally unfair. And you hate unfairness. I totally agree. If I were Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach, when you stop since when you stop Kansas City on third down, and then the refs decide suddenly, hey, actually that didn't count. We're going to redo it. I'd be like, no, no, I'm I'm standing in the middle of the field until you correct this. This is not right. Call Roger Goodell. This is the game to get in the Super Bowl. I literally would mutiny and say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. You're going to have to drag me off the field if you want to run this play. That's not acceptable. And I, I don't. what I don't understand is why— When do I get to ask I questions watch, for explode? Okay, well, let me say one more thing. The XFL had a, a, a rule where they had a sky cam, where when things went wrong, the league office in New York would just say, hey, that's not right, let's fix it. They use replay, they use their technology, because there's technology everywhere. They solve problems immediately. And I don't understand why in today's NFL, 2023, with cameras everywhere and ability to talk instantly all over the world, you can't just have people in New York say, ah, you're wrong. Let's fix it right now. And if I were Zach Taylor, I'd be like, call Roger Goodell. We're not running another play until you fix this. This isn't right. I'd be really furious. What, what are your questions? I have a lot more to say. So you said, if I heard you correctly, you don't think the officiating impacted the game. Correct. Did that play, did that call affect the game? Here's how it, the only way it might've affected the game, that call, that call gave um, Kansas City an automatic, led to them getting a second chance on third down. They got the third down. They drove a little bit farther. Then they punted the ball away. So at best, the only advantage it gave Kansas City, because it ended up, they didn't score on that drive. It 
maybe gave them like 20 more yards of field position. So maybe it backed up Cincinnati more than they were before, but that's, that's at best what it did. Uh, the ne- Go ahead. Go ahead. Do you not think that it's possible that at that point in the game, the Bengals are already feeling like they were fighting the refs and the chiefs? I um, think that that was a demoralizing, confusing, frustrating call that was not good for their psyche. I've never in my whole life seen or heard of, we're just going to do the down over like it never happened. I've never seen that. The refs, I've seen them run in and stop, run in and just go like this and stop in the middle of a play. Like it's already been handed off and they're just running into the middle of it. No one did that. I think it was just complete, utter nonsense. And I think it messed with the Bengals' heads. And I I think that's the impact it could have had on the game at minimum. I have a story, a side tangent, if you want, that's a great example of how unfair the play was. Do you want to hear like a five-minute story? No, I just know it was unfair. It made me sick to my stomach. It was totally wrong. And then there was more plays. They they didn't call. Uh, Anyways, it was just – it was horribly one-sidedly officiated. I'm going to tell briefly. I got got punched in a Planet Fitness the other day. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it, it was the day of the, the Chiefs-Bengals game. And the guy was a Chiefs fan. We, we had like his interaction where I, I accidentally, I took the shower and he, met, he wanted the shower. So I ended up giving him the shower. He glared at me. He was really angry. He punched me. I talked him down. I de-escalated the entire situation. And as we're dealing with this and, and he, he's, he's calming down, he was very, uh, I, I think very emotionally immature. He put on a Chiefs jersey. I'm like, oh, you love football. So I, I got him to not only tell me about how much he loves the Chiefs, but also, and he like went on and on. When you got him talking about the Chiefs, he talked forever. He actually ended up apologizing to me, like gave me a hug. It was a very weird interaction that was very uncomfortable, but I got punched and went from getting punched to having the guy apologize to me and leave. That, that's at one side of Vegas. Two days later, in a different area of Vegas, I'm at Planet Fitness. That was morning. This is an evening. The guy walks into a different Planet Fitness as I'm leaving. He goes, hey, what's up? And he was really nice to me. I'm like, dude, your team won. Aren't you excited? And he goes, and this is a very emotional person who I, I would not imagine much rationale from them. He said, I'm not very proud of that win because of the way it went down. That play where they got a, a redo was, was nonsense. And even as a Chiefs fan, that was hard for me. So this man, who's not a very reasonable person, who punched me in a planet fitness and doesn't have a lot of emotional maturity, even that guy said, hmm, this isn't quite right. And even said, I'm not proud of the victory. That's crazy to me. That's that's how bad that call was. And even irrational fans are like, I don't like what went down or how that went down. Yeah, it, it taints the victory. And and I, I think rationally, not emotionally, the, the, the Chiefs did play better generally. Um, but I just think the refs the refs had it in the bag from the beginning. It made me not like football. It was frustrating. It was irritating. I'd have been fine with them the, the Bengals losing in a in a game. But when when that I lost my mind, and I don't usually get that invested. But I lost my mind when that 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 down over down, and, and just it just it went so bad. And just you know, and Joseph Asai, you know, he 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 pushed him. It was it was it was an understandable call the ref made. I would have made that call, but it's understandable. And then, you know, um, Jermaine Pratt, and I did some people that don't know, there was a lot of scenes right after the game of him yelling as they're going to the locker room, how could you push that quarterback yelling at Osai? And Osai was on the sidelines crying and awful. And then I love that Pratt came out, uh, you know, later 
and made a statement and said, I was in the wrong. He yelled at his teammate who cost them, you know, the chance to get in Super Bowl. But one play never makes the game. There's a whole bunch of plays, right? He says, I was in the moment. I was wrong. I would say I was wrong. As a man, you can look yourself in the mirror and say I was wrong. I wasn't a great teammate at that moment. That doesn't define me as a man. And he applied to Osai. But by then, it was just so far gone. It was terrible. Patrick Mahomes is running along the sideline. He gets out of bounds. And then Joseph Osai pushes him to the ground. It's a it's a tacky call, but by the letter of the law, that is a late hit, unnecessary roughness on the quarterback. But it, it just felt crap. It's just like that really like that tacky call at the end. But also it, it sent it sent the Chiefs to the Super Bowl. But do you remember when uh Joey Bosa for the Chargers threw his helmet and got all mad? And yeah. you said you said you gotta control your emotions in that moment. I have great empathy for Joseph aside because the the when you're a defensive player in the NFL, you're a killer. Like you are going to hit someone as hard as you possibly can, and to ha- just go from I'm going to knock this dude out to suddenly he crosses a little white line and you can't touch him is is really hard to change your mindset. So I have a lot of empathy for him, but you can't hit Patrick Mahomes out of bounds. Like well, so and, and, that's I, a penalty. I, I hope defensive players across the league realize you can't hit quarterbacks. Just don't. I would yeah. just pull up. I mean, I would, I would probably would make as a defensive player. I'm not going to mess with the quarterback because you can't win anymore. Like, oh, don't I even tackle terrible. them. Just let you. I don't know how you play defense. It's so unf- like the, I have a collection of, of videos of the unnecessary roughness calls on quarterbacks getting sacked. And you're like, how how is that a how is that a penalty? That's just a regular sack. So I have great empathy for defensive players, and I would encourage you don't play defense. It's not it's a rigged game. It's not fair, and you're never going to get the benefit of the doubt. But that 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 was a penalty, and it did give the Chiefs more yards and made the field goal easier. But the only answer there is, hey, Joseph Asai, the minute he goes out of bounds, you can't touch him, and he did touch him late. That is technically a penalty. And they didn't no call an unnecessary roughness on Joe Burrow. I mean, it was terrible officiating. So that being said, um, someone needs to muzzle Eli Apple. The <laughs> the mayor of of um, I thought Burrowhead was funny and cute, yeah. right? Just just to say once, right? But the mayor of Cincinnati, he obviously really hurt his team because he got called out in the in the trophy ceremony. He got called a jabroni. I mean, so I think that, that trash talking really motivated the Chiefs. And I think that Cincinnati needs to learn to keep their mouths shut. And that mayor, that mayor, I, I blame him for some of the loss. Just keep your – because, like, we want a DNA test to see if um, if uh, Joe Burrow is really Patrick Mahomes' dad. I mean, that's ridiculous nonsense. The, the, the real sin of the mayor thing in Cincinnati is it was terribly written. It wasn't even funny. It was just, like, cringy. I don't mind if you're going to talk a little smack, but at least do it in a tasteful, fun way. It was literally like badly written. I think like he had an assistant write it for him and he's just reading the script. It was, that's the problem with the mayor thing is it wasn't funny. You can do that in a lighthearted, fun way, but it it wasn't funny. It was just like cringy and posturing and like pandering to your city. It was very weird. The, the the mayor thing was like awful. So the good news for me, because I you know I do like I do like the Bengals, like Burrow, you know Burrow leaves, fine Bengals, whatever. I love the city, the team. Uh, you know, hopefully they get better run someday. And Matt, it looks like maybe they are on the way to getting better run, which would be awesome. But um, the good news for me for, from liking the Bengals is that that when they play the Chiefs next year, it is going to be all out out for blood, do or die. And if if I don't know the next time the Chiefs play. Um, in Bengals, you know, in Cincinnati, the, the chief fans should not go. 
They, they should not attend that game. I think they will get beat down. I think they will think, are we at a Jets game? Are we at an Oakland Raiders game? What just happened? Uh, because I think there's going to be so much bad blood and animosity on the Chiefs side. I mean, on the on the Bengals side, because we got have screwed you, over by you. Have you ever used lighter fluid? Oh yeah, love lighter yeah, fluid. Yeah, when you, you're lighting a fire on the Oregon coast and you you put some lighter fluid on, it goes poof, really big and really explode. The fire gets really hot and really like flares up. Yep. That this game added fuel to the fire. This game made. The, the the Chiefs Bengals rivalry even better. It's yes. more interesting. It's more fun for years to come. I think we're going to look back on this game and actually be grateful for what it did to this rivalry. Um, so I'd, I'd like to say real quick, I lost a game in high school where we were we we were not we were number one on not top ten. We we beat out the butt fumble. We were Keith Olbermann's world's worst. Um, my first ever varsity start. I throw a touchdown with a minute thirty left. Then. The opposing team, we we go ahead, touchdown, we have the lead. They go to kick a field goal with like 30 seconds left. We block it. They pick it up and run through our fans to score a touchdown. It was insane. Look up River Skyview block field goal if you want. But my point is this. After the game, my head coach said, hey, guys, look, that, that sucked. It felt unfair. But if you win by 20, it wouldn't have mattered. And I I still, when I when we talk about the refs in this moment, I can't get over the fact that there were still a lot of missed opportunities by the Bengals. And that sucks. I don't like that. But Joe Burrow had the ball late in the game. It didn't put together a drive. And so I I just, the refs are going to suck all the oxygen out of the room. But the person I am goes, but you still had opportunities that refs are not. You could have been better. And whenever you could have been better, I have a hard time blaming someone else. I, I always just am an extreme accountability person who says, what could I have done better rather than how was the situation screwing me over? Um, yeah, but every time, I, every time you played that team after that, you put the beat down on them. Yeah, we killed them. Um, can, can I? So, you, you, we started with the refs of this long monologue and this whole conversation. I just got to say, I've really enjoyed the Bengals Chiefs game was so fun for me. I like, I really, it felt like two. It was, it was a heavyweight fight. Two teams throwing haymakers after haymakers, like crazy throws and crazy catches and big plays by big people. You know, Patrick Mahomes had this early touchdown where like on fourth down, they, they sprint, right? Travis Kelsey runs a corner, then comes back and they throw a touchdown. And then Joe Burrow throws a touchdown in a double coverage to D Higgins on the right sideline. And then on fourth down on like fourth and six, Joe Burrow throws a long touchdown or like a long ball to the goal line to Jamar chase against double coverage. And then Mahomes makes this play where he escapes the sack and throws a touchdown over the middle. And it was just like, back and forth and back and forth and I, I know the refs tainted the game for you but did you not appreciate the the back and forth nature of this game because all I wanted from this game was it to be close at the end and it was it was it was twenty twenty at the end I didn't know who was going to win and that to me is a perfect game I, I really didn't focus much on the refs did you enjoy at least the back and forth nature of of this football game once they got a do-over and got to have a penalty on fifth down once you that just play, checked out I, I lost my mind and then I couldn't even just the whole thing became tainted and it was very discouraging. I just, I'd never seen that before. And yeah. it's just like, it's tainted. And I hope the, I hope the chiefs lose. Um, I hope they lose in the super bowl because it's just, it felt tainted and not cool. And if they win, um, let's put an asterisk next. I will always put an asterisk next to it. If they win that super bowl, it just felt so unfair. It just, and the, and the, so many play it like, it's just so many plays against them against, I mean, calls against them. It just, it just ruined it for me. It just, it just, it's just, it's forever a ruined game for me. It's a game in Kansas city. 
Uh, Kansas City's known for the mob. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't want to throw anything out there, but like, eh, you never know. Uh, so when when I said, "Hey, which game do you want to start with?" There was one game that was exciting that I loved, and one game that you loved. So you hated the Bengals Chiefs game. I loved it. I hated. I absolutely hated the Eagles 49ers game. It was 31 to seven. It was never interesting. It was never close. It was never compelling. I don't even have a lot to say. It was just wholly disappointing. Like early in the game, Brock Purdy gets hurt. Um, and I just, I, I didn't care. I was like, I just, I watched the Eagles lead grow more and more. I have it one interesting insight, but what are your general takeaways from the Eagles 49ers game in the NFC title? Well, just on a personal for my enjoyment, when when I don't care who wins, right, then yeah. I like a close game. But if, I, if there's a team I want to win, I love them to win by a lot and a complete and total <laughs> beatdown. I revel in it. I revel in it. Um, uh, that being said, uh, even I would have liked it. If, I loved it when um, the, the Lions came back and beat. They beat um, the Packers to end the season. And that was a close game. And I enjoyed that close game. Uh, but generally, I, so I, I, I wanted Jalen Hurts to go to the Super Bowl. And so I was happy they were cruising into a victory. Um, it was great for me just, just cause that's what I, that's what I was enjoying. But normally I like a close game. This, I liked the beat down. Um, it did, it when did, you've got a team you're rooting for, you like when they just dominate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see. I, I, I'm the opposite. If there's a team I'm rooting for, I want them to win by three on a last second field goal. I, I still enjoy the drama of that because I, I want an interesting fourth quarter and this game, the second half of this football game was just boring. I'm like, I don't. I'm not engaged. It just totally lost me. I was, I was at a bar with Marcus Whitman. Like, so do we, we hope the next one's better, right? Like, you know, we're just like, this is awful. So who, um, what's the curse, the quarterback curse that's on the 49ers? Because man, I couldn't <laughs> believe it when Brock Purdy got injured. I like, are you kidding me? They lost their, their, their three quarterbacks are out for the year. Well, can I ask a question? So there was a report like two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago that said, Hey, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be healthy enough to play by the NFC championship game. So I thought that then there was a brief debate for like a couple of days. Hey, if, you know, if they get to the NFC championship, are they going to start Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Brock Purdy? And that was nonsense and not going to happen. But I, I wonder, was Jimmy Garoppolo healthy? And if he was, why in the world wasn't he dressed ready to go? Like why I, maybe he wasn't healthy enough and that's fine. But if he was healthy, why wasn't he in uniform and the backup quarterback? Like, why, why did we go to Josh Johnson? Well, we should probably so look I, at that. But I, so I heard a couple of people say the NFL to change its rules so that the, the both teams can always have three quarterbacks dressed. And I suspect it had to do with some roster positions, and I don't know. But um, and then they had nobody. They had nobody playing quarterback. They had Christian McCaffrey for a couple of plays. You're like, what? Right, but the person that was their emergency quarterback listed after Josh Johnson, it was yeah. a kid that went to school at Harvard. That and I thought, oh well, he must have played quarterback in college or in high school. He's never played quarterback in his life, and he was their emergency quarterback. Are you talking about Christian McCaffrey? No, played no, no, no. The, the person that no. they had actually listed on. Oh paper. wow, there, there was a guy. Yeah, there oh, was their emergency, wild. their emergency quarterback. So all, they just they just said that to meet the criteria required for. Right, they actually put in Christian nonsense. McCaffrey for a couple of times, and then when they did yeah. put Brock Purdy, and he's just handing the ball off. Yeah, well, he tore like his his peck or something. He tore a. He's out for like six months. He tore something in his arm. Um, I, I want to say that the surprising thing about this football game was the and the matchup that was exciting was the Eagles' offensive line against the 49ers' defensive line. And 
Brock Purdy or not, last I checked, Brock Purdy doesn't play defense. Right. And the Eagles offensive line just absolutely dominated what's a, I think might be the best defensive line in football, which is the 49ers defensive line. It wasn't even close. And I know there's some emotional weight of you lose your quarterback and you're discouraged, but I, I just thought that we were going to get a more competitive battle up front between the Eagles offense and the 49ers defense. And I, I don't know how Brock Purdy being in the game would have impacted that matchup, which was so one-sided. I, I like people are like, Oh, we lost Brock Purdy. That's why we lost. I'm like, I, I don't know that that's true. I think you lost because your defensive line didn't get the job done and they got dominated. What say you? I, I agree that I kept thinking that it's, I feel really bad for the 49ers fans that their quarterback is out and the game is not as interesting. Cause I'm not saying I wanted to see Brock Purdy do well um, just because I like him, but but the offense offensive line was way better than the defense. Yeah, what what's cool too? The Eagles won round one of the, their, their first playoff game, thirty eight to seven. They win their second playoff game, thirty one to seven. Now they're playing Kansas City. It's been a just a dominant dominant year for the Eagles, and um, I, I'm almost at the point where like they're they're so good, and I think they're going to get even better this off season, which is crazy. Cause he got a high draft pick and all this stuff. And I, I, if they win a Super Bowl here, I look around the NFC that, you know, they're, they're the AFC is loaded with Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson in Denver. And the AFC beats up on itself every year, right? The NFC isn't very competitive. Not really. Like it's kind of, it's kind of there for the taking. I see a potential world where the Eagles are so good they could win the NFC and go to like four or five straight Super Bowls. It's it's not that far-fetched of, a, of an idea. And they might be playing a different quarterback every year from the AFC, but the NFC looks like for years now, Philadelphia is going to be the best co- team there. Um, and I just, I want to really praise the general manager, Howie Rosen. We did it last week. He's built this incredible football team. If the Eagles win a Super Bowl this year, they might be back even next year. And then you're like, is this kind of a, a, dynasty like we had with the 49ers or with the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s I I don't know but it's it's really it's worth noting that the Eagles are in a position here to dominate for years and years to come not just this year and that's pretty cool to me yeah I think I think you are completely right I think the NFC um I think it's going to be very, very interesting what happens I think the Eagles are in a good place to do very very well so what happens with the 49ers um, today, um, uh, the coach came out and said, basically, no, Garoppolo's not part of us, period. He's not coming. Yeah. I, I think first, of all, I think Garoppolo goes to the Miami Dolphins. I think Garoppolo goes to the 49 or to the Raiders. I hear you, but Mike McDaniel used to coach with the 49ers. In fact, Mike McDaniel was Jimmy Garoppolo's offensive coordinator. And where, where, for Jimmy Garoppolo's perspective, would you rather go play for the Raiders or go play in Miami, throwing a Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. I would rather go to Miami. We don't know what Tua's status is unknown. I think Jimmy Garoppolo might be better than Tua. He can run that system. He knows it well. And he's got incredible receivers. I think Jimmy Garoppolo should go to Miami. Now, that aside, what does San Francisco do? They've got Trey Lance and they've got Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy's your day one starter next year. But I don't understand the benefit of trading away Trey Lance. I just You're not going to get much back for him. You, you traded a bunch to go get him. He's really talented. I think you just keep him. And if he's the quarterback you drafted him to be, like if, if Trey Lance really is as talented as you think he could be, at one point you liked him so much that he was your starter in 
you know, beginning of 2022. So you, you like him to some degree. I don't know why you just keep him on the roster. And if he is as good as we think he is and as good as he could be, eventually he'll beat out Brock Purdy. I think that makes sense to me. I just don't know what you gain by trading him unless you want to instill confidence in Brock Purdy. If you want to commit to him and instill confidence, that's fine. But it's just, it's weird to commit so much to a player in trade value and in time and resources and then so quickly just get rid of him and move on. I don't I don't feel quite ready for the 49ers to move on from Trey Lance uh, entirely. I just keep him as your number two quarterback and Brock Purdy got hurt what if Brock Purdy had gotten hurt, you know, what if Brock Purdy gets hurt week eight next year? You want a guy prepared to come off the bench, and why can't that guy be Trey Lance? Yeah, it, 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 if, as long as it messes up the locker room, I suppose there's no there's no reason to keep Trey Lance. Uh, Trey Lance did not seem to win over the locker room. No. They seemed like Garoppolo more. They definitely love Brock Purdy. I don't think – I think Trey Lance is fighting an uphill battle. Um, well, that's why I wouldn't start in week one. I think Brock Purdy's your guy until proven otherwise. But I just, you're going to trade away Trey Lance for like a third round pick. I don't, I don't know how that really benefits you. So I, I don't know why you can't just keep him and make him your backup and just wait and see. I, I just, cause you're not going to get much back for him trading him away. So I like, what's the point then? Um, and also if Trey Lance goes away from San Francisco, how, how does he really succeed? I, I don't know. You know, the one of the only teams that I think could trade for Trey Lance that's really interesting would be the New York Giants. They've got Brian Dable. They've got a system where they run a lot with Daniel Jones. I think Trey Lance is more talented than Daniel Jones. That's the only – I haven't heard anyone saying that. This just came to my mind like right now. But I, I've been hoping – so let's talk about the Giants for a second. A lot of people ask me, what should the Giants do with Daniel Jones? We both agree. You keep Daniel Jones. He's he's good enough. Um and you're not going to get really an opportunity for a long time to get a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. You're a, a playoff team with a later first round pick. And frankly, like if you're the Giants, your quarterback situation is good enough and your team is really bad. Like you, you somehow made the playoffs with a bad roster. All your draft picks for the next couple of years have to go into building a better football team. Like you, you can't waste resources on a different quarterback when the one you have is okay. But pretty much the only person out there that, could be an upgrade at quarterback long-term is Trey Lance and you can get him for cheap. And Brian Dable is a genius offensive coordinator. He developed Josh Allen. He also loves to run a lot with a quarterback, which is something Trey Lance does really well. I, I think the, the thing I, I haven't heard from anyone else, and you'll only hear this from me, Zach Shomler, but if you can trade a second or third round pick for Trey Lance and get him in New York with the giants, that's an unbelievable value that could really pay off long-term. So if I'm the Giants, actually, I, I re-sign Daniel Jones and I trade a second-round pick to get Trey Lance and just, just build and build and work with him. I love that idea. Uh, I don't know the answer to this question. The, why not um, Derek Carr to the Giants? Too Derek Carr is more expensive. More expensive. And he can't run around. He's, he's Yeah, he's more. Derek Carr is a, an expensive option at quarterback. And I don't know that he's that much better than Daniel Jones, that he's worth the difference in financial uh, struggle. And Derek Carr can't run around. Part, part of what I like about Brian Dable's system is yeah. he, he empowers quarterbacks to run the football and run for yards. And Derek Carr just doesn't have that dynamic to his game. I would, if I'm the Giants, no, like if you're Miami, I would rather have Derek Carr than Trey Lance because Derek Carr is going to run your system better. 
but part of what Brian Dable does well is, you know, again, the word is empower quarterbacks to run the football. He creates a system that uses quarterbacks legs. He does it with Daniel Jones. I think Trey Lance is even better running the football. I think Trey Lance like fits incredibly well into Brian Dable's system and better than Derek Carr would. Any, uh, any news on any thoughts? Uh, you know, when you're down there, you know, around cool stuff. Um, any thoughts on where Derek Carr might go? Uh, there's rumors today here on the ground in Vegas. You know, the beat writers are saying that because I was actually hanging out with one on Monday. He's like, it looks like the Raiders are actually con- considering not trading Derek Carr. Now that they, they didn't, they thought they were going to get Tom Brady. They didn't. And the Raiders appear to be panicking now, thinking they were going to get Tom Brady, um, which is really fascinating to me. Like they didn't, they didn't seem to have much of a plan beyond Tom Brady. And so now they're scrambling to try to repair the relationship with Derek Carr, apparently behind the scenes. Good luck with that. <laughs> I think Derek Carr wants out and you burn that bridge. That This is why it, the benching Derek Carr never made sense because you have a quarterback who's good enough. I just don't know why you burn the bridge until you have to. And it seems like the Raiders made an unforced error by benching Derek Carr. And if they want him back, I, I don't think they're going to get him. It, it's just a not a great scenario um, for the Raiders. And like I said, you know, that event I went to Monday night was at a beat writer's house. So, like, I, I, and I don't know how much weight that has, but he follows the Raiders a lot closer than I do. And he's got connections in the city. And he says the Raiders are trying to um, so any repair word on, things. Any thoughts? If you don't have them, that's okay. Where Derek yeah. Carr might go? Um, I don't. But I, one of the, the, the teams that have been thrown out there is Houston, which I is very bizarre to me. I, I don't. David Carr, Derek Carr's older brother, was the first ever draft pick by the Houston Texans and had a horrible career there. And people would say he was a bust, but I would say that the Houston Texans were a terrible franchise that had no offensive line, and that's why David Carr failed. It seems weird to – David Carr was your first ever franchise quarterback. It went really badly. Why why would you – you've got this, like, trauma in the family with the Carr family and the quarterbacks there. I don't know that it makes any sense for – Derek Carr to go be the quarterback of the Houston Texans, given that history and that connection. Um, the, the one team that I've, I was talking to Marcus Whitman about this yesterday. Um, why not Carolina? Carolina's hired Frank Reich. Uh, maybe they like Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold did some good stuff. But one thing that is really, really clear with Frank Reich, he wears his, um, his faith on his sleeve. He's a very devout man. So is Derek Carr. And I think, the kinship that you could have between Derek Carr and Frank Reich in Carolina, two guys that are men of faith who uh, talk about that a lot, I think could find kinship there and really connect on a personal level because they both play quarterback in the NFL. Remember, Frank Reich is the first ever quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. He's now their head coach. I think Derek Carr playing for Frank Reich in Carolina is like a really interesting opportunity. Uh, and that's that's the one that excites me personally is Derek Carr to Carolina. I think Derek Carr is going to go to Carolina. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to go to the Jets, which is hilarious and weird given that they also took Brett Favre after his time at the Packers. And then the underrated story is if Trey Lance goes anywhere, I really like the Giants trading for Trey Lance. That's a like a, a really cool little thought, and uh, I have nothing behind it. It's just a thing that I would love to see. But if you, that does happen, I'm, I got to be the first person in the world saying that. And uh, that's, it's happened before that I put something out there, and then someone hears it and gives them an idea, and their front office makes a move on it. So... Um, hey, Giants, if you're listening, 
um, make the move. I'd love to see that. Okay, two little things, then then we're done. But um, uh, you know, we both love Brett Coleman for different reasons. Um, yeah. You like his football acumen. Um, I like his whiskey cocktails. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I just like Brett Coleman. I'm a fan of his. Yeah. Um, he put out a tweet uh, right after Brady retired that I absolutely loved. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Willems, you are a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. <laughs> yeah, probably. So uh, they, they just need to, to tank this year, and the next year they can get Caleb, Caleb Williams. I don't think they need to try to tank. You know, their their only quarterback on the roster is Kyle Trask. Like, you just don't don't add any quarterbacks. Play Kyle Trask all year, and you're fine. You're going to be <laughs> the worst team in the NFL. It's not that hard. Um, I you know, I, first of all, Tampa Bay has some good players, and they will even in two years from now. I think you play a terrible quarterback. You just don't don't try to get better at quarterback. Play literally a dog. Uh, I almost said the the, the S word. A play a terrible quarterback and uh, let it play out. I think the natural progression will be you're going to be a terrible football team that doesn't make the playoffs and it's another one overall pick. I, I got to say, I shook hands with Brett Coleman this week. It was pretty cool. I shook hands, gave him a hug. He's like he's a nerd the, in the best way possible. He has this massive camera, Sony, with like a long telephoto lens, and he just runs around the field taking pictures and sniping pictures left and right and. Um, he's a, he's a really fun human to interact with. I really, I just, uh, me and Marcus were talking about Brett because Brett, if you, if you ever are a, a football creator on YouTube, you'll probably interact with Brett at some point because he goes out of his way all the time to help creators smaller than him with brand deals, with advice to make sure we're getting paid the right amounts. Like he, he really does so much for the other creators in the space. He's very unselfish and, I mean, I'm sure it serves him because if we get better rates, it probably helps him get better rates, you know, with, with brand deals. But he really helps a lot of people um, succeed in the sports content world. I would say he's very unselfish with sharing information and sharing advice and tips and tricks of the trade. And he, he's kind of like the godfather of the YouTube football community. So uh, to meet him in person was pretty dang cool. We had we went to Kane's Chicken. It was me, EJ, Marcus Whitman, and then a, a guy from Chargers Wire all having lunch. And it was just kind of surreal to be like, I have spent so many hours in my car, whether they know it or not, with EJ, you know, EJ and Brett and Marcus. And so to have them go from my ears to my eyeballs and get to sit down and have lunch with them was pretty dang cool. You got to see um, each of them with your very own eyeballs? Yeah, yeah. In person, man. It was awesome. I, I touched them. I touched them for real. Uh, maybe the, you know, I always say right in the show, I'll read it with my eyeballs. <laughs> I can't say I touched them. <laughs> with my own hands. <laughs> <laughs> I touched Brett Coleman. Someone clip that out. Um, I also, with my own eyeballs in person, saw Bill Belichick. And this is not the first time, but because um, I, I saw him from the stands once upon a time in Cincinnati. But I was um, on the same field, car lengths, same sideline as him, same I, field. I was, I was two car lengths away at one point from Bill Belichick, and then at one point even closer. And I was, I was like right behind Dorian Thompson Robinson, the former UCLA quarterback, listening in like a, a huddle scenario where the three quarterbacks of the Shrine Bowl playing for the Patriots side were the wet the West team were all huddled together with Bill O'Brien on the right and Bill Belichick on the left, sharing wisdom and knowledge and talking through the plays and their approach. And uh, it was really cool to see these young quarterbacks who are leaving college, going to the NFL, just soaking it all up, like very clear attitude of reverence and respect and anything either of these two men, Bill Belichick or Bill O'Brien said, they were just all ears and taking it all in and kind of sponges of information. And that's the right approach. And I, I just really, really, 
kind of a special moment to hear Bill Belichick coaching quarterbacks along Bill O'Brien. Um, yeah, a cool moment, man. Like I got a picture of all all of them in one in one go, and I'm like, I'm I'm right here. I'm like a car length away from from Bill Belichick. He had like a a bandage on his face, probably melanoma, I would assume, uh, which is like you know minor skin cancer from sun damage. Um, just interesting, man. I really really been cool to see. I, I saw Ryan Poles. I saw Brian Gutekunst, uh, the Packers general manager. It's interesting to, you know, there's all this handshaking going on at the Shrine Bowl and all these people. And you you can't share. Like, you you see Brian Gutekunst, the Packers GM, and you don't say anything. You just look at him and go, I know who that is. The only person I went out of my way to introduce myself to was Jordan Palmer. Um, I, I said, you know, he didn't remember me, but he actually coached me once upon a time at a couple Nike camps long time ago. And I told him that he kind of laughed, but I said, Hey man, I, I think you're doing, you're the best in the world at what you do. I love your podcast and, and the way you coach young quarterbacks is incredible. And uh, I don't know how much it meant to him, probably nothing, but I got to tell him that and that felt very gratifying to me. It was the only person I kind of just introduced myself to, cause I'm around all these crazy names and famous people. And I'm just like, I'm kind of along for the ride, but it's pretty wild to be next to Ryan Poles, the Bears general manager and Brian Gutekunst and all these big names and people I know. And um, it's just kind of a, a weird week of my life being around important football people in Vegas. So we got to close with, uh, you know, the regular segment, the Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers watch and update. Okay. Uh, he, he's such, he's so terrible. He's, you know, his quote on the match. Wait, 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 hold on. You can't start that way, man. Like, I love you so much. He's so terrible. Give the guy a chance for goodness sake. Like how, how, what have I said? You can't just, how about you say what he did before you call him terrible? I guess all I'm saying, like what did Aaron Rodgers do this time? That's, that's what we should call the segment at the end of the show is <laughs> Steven watch. What did Aaron Rodgers do this time? It's not Aaron watch. It's Steven watch. How did Aaron do something that hooks Steven Schaumler is really the question. He, he, this, he, apparently his mind was blown and he wasn't even taking ayahuasca. Um, it sounds like there are already conversations going on that aren't involving me, which is interesting. Really? You're kidding. You're kidding. The team is talking about you without you in the room. I bet that's never happened before. Oh my goodness. How, how passive aggressive. And I, I I'm sure I, if they get rid of him, it's because he just wears them out and he's already like, he's not sure he can't make a decision. He doesn't know. Eventually, even I think the Packers fans are going to get sick of him. No, I, I hear you, man. I, I think it's a, I don't know. I, I, I feel for Aaron because that's a, that's the thing I would say, man. Like, I'd be like, I would be like, it's interesting because the, the inflection matters there, right? Hey, you know, they're already having conversations without me. That's interesting. It's a lot different than it's interesting. They're having conversations without me. Like, and I, I don't, why is it interesting? It should be expected. Of course, they're going to have conversations without him there. That happens but to what, every quarterback in the NFL. Totally. Totally. But what I'm saying is it's, it's Aaron acknowledging, hey, it looks like the Packers are, are done with me too. That's I think that's the coded message there. Um, and I, I think Aaron's – I think the Packers are ready to move on. They've got Jordan Love. They think Jordan Love can play. Jordan Love – so one thing I really want to give credit to Aaron Rodgers for is that Aaron Rodgers appears to get along with Jordan Love really well. And there was a lot of drama when Jordan Love got drafted in the first round and all this hullabaloo. But I think the reality is that behind the scenes they get along pretty well. Um, and Jordan's been preparing for the moment he gets a starting job. And I think Jordan Love is ready. And I think Aaron can acknowledge that. And I think Aaron's kind of done with Green Bay. I think Green Bay's kind of done with him. 
I don't know that that's a aggressive statement for Aaron Rodgers. I think it's Aaron Rodgers acknowledging, it looks like the Packers might be done with me. And I think Aaron Rodgers really wants to go to the Jets. And I think the Packers really want a a war chest of draft picks for Aaron Rodgers. So I think that's all that's happening behind the scenes is Aaron's acknowledging that looks like Green Bay's done with me. And I think Green Bay is going to trade an arm and a leg. Uh, or, or I think the Jets, excuse me, are going to trade an arm and a leg to get Aaron Rodgers. I think it's going to be awesome. I think you got to open your mind. I don't think everything Aaron Rodgers does is bad. And I, I, I certainly don't love some of the, the ways he's led and all this stuff, but um, I think when you hate Aaron Rodgers, everything he does gets interpreted as negative. When I think some of the stuff he says is just, it's just talking. Like, I, I don't know that that's a really, truly bad quote by Aaron Rodgers. I, I think, uh, I, I think it's, it's just, and when you say it's interesting, it's Aaron, I, I, I haven't watched the clip. He probably said it on Pat McAfee. Am I correct? Yep. I can hear it in Aaron Rodgers voice saying, you know, they're having conversations without me. And that's, interesting it's him saying <laughs> looks like they're done with me too that, that's all that is it's kind of a non-starter to me but it hooked you which i find great enjoyment in is how did aaron Rodgers hook steven schaumler today and I, I just let you be crazy and whatever happens happens <laughs> well i'm super excited for him to go to the jets that will be even more drama and fun yeah that that's the thing man is when you look at aaron Rodgers' entertainment rather than because it just it will provide fun and interesting storylines and Aaron Rodgers playing against Josh Allen twice a year, playing against Bill Belichick is really interesting. Uh, maybe the Jets potentially being good is also kind of fun. Like the Jets, how can you not feel bad for the Jets? I mean, oh my gosh, it's been years of misery. So Jets fans will maybe get a year or two of pleasure before um, Aaron retires. I don't know. I think it's actually quite compelling and, and cool, the, the thought of Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. Yeah, it's a shame he's not a good quarterback anymore, but um... – <laughs> oh man i i hope just for that statement alone i hope aaron Rodgers. maybe he gets second in the mvp voting but I hope he wins the super bowl with the jets just so i can look you in the eye and say oh so aaron's not a good quarterback anymore huh or like maybe maybe he goes on the road to beach joe burrow in cincinnati and you can you can cry a lot of bengals tears <laughs> i just now i now that i i know how deep your hatred is for Aaron I'm it's gonna make me root for him more because every week I'm gonna look you in the eye and be like so how do you feel about the seven touchdowns Aaron Rodgers threw for the Jets this week huh like that I'm I'm only rooting for it because it's fun to watch you squirm (laughs) (laughs) oh all right well this has been a great episode and uh you've got uh, on Thursday you're going to the east west game so uh, take some cool notes and have a cool report for us next week. And next week we will talk about the Super Bowl and our Super Bowl predictions. Yeah, um, it'll be at Allegiant Stadium, which is pretty cool. So I'll have a I, – I missed practice. They did like a weird walkthrough the other day at Allegiant Stadium. It wasn't a real practice. And then uh, there's a media day. And so I, I'm not going to that either. So I, I will be for the first time in Allegiant Stadium on Thursday. And that would be pretty cool. So – uh, I can report back what the Raider Stadium is like next episode. That'll be pretty fun. Okay, so you want a hot tip? Sure. An Allegiant Stadium hot tip? I have sources. Okay. I have sources inside Allegiant Stadium. So, um, Kloa Rum is amazing. And yep. I've, I've done a podcast with the owner of Kloa Rum. I uh, did an updated podcast with him last uh, time before last one. I was in Kauai in September. Um, great, great guy. Kloa Rum's amazing. And they signed a marketing deal with the Raiders. And they chose the Raiders over the 49ers and over the Seahawks because, as you probably know, Vegas is the ninth island. Um, and there are a number, more than one, 
Kaloa bars, Kaloa rum bars in Allegiant Stadium. So you got to have a Kaloa rum Mai Tai, baby. I will probably do that. I my favorite thing about Vegas, I, I'm I'm kind of lukewarm on Vegas. It was it was it burned really hot at first, and the longer it's gone on, the more the the bright lights have gotten really. Um, they've really graded on my existence as a human. I'm really sick of it all and the flashiness. But my favorite thing about Vegas is the Hawaiian culture everywhere. Like I, <laughs> it does, it does feel like you are in a micro community of Hawaii. It's crazy how many 808 license plates and stickers and Hawaiian words and amazing Hawaiian food. There's a, it's such a, uh, a coming together of Hawaiian culture, like no other place on the mainland. It's very, very cool. And, uh, you give you give people one of these in Vegas, they know what that means. Unlike everywhere else in the mainland, like so, you, you do a shaka like on the road and you let a guy go by, they do it back to you, and I'm like, yes, oh, I miss that so much, and that gives me so much joy. So, uh, yeah, I'll have a mai tai in Allegiant Stadium. That sounds awesome. Yeah, because you are, um, my understanding, current journey, journey's changed, but current journey. Yep. Um, you're. Do you know who Bob Hope is even? I uh, let me Google him. I don't know. Yeah, he's a comedian. He was. Old and nearly dead when I was a kid. My grandparents loved him. Wait, is he the military guy? No, he was just a comedian. With his, uh, what, he knows. He, he did I, comedy. So I, I, I think I think though there is a at the at Pearl Harbor there is actually a memorial to him because I think he did a lot of military performances. He did, but yeah. maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, he did. So I, I think the, I think there's a Bob Hope like museum or something like Bob Hope exhibit or something uh, in. Pearl Harbor because I, I remember I, I went to Pearl Harbor and I lived in Honolulu and I, I definitely definitely saw that and I talked to the guy who was like leading the the conversations about that so I, I now I vaguely do know that name anyway continue so Bob Hope and Bing Crosby made in the 1940s like I wasn't even born then that's how long ago it was um, okay but my grandparents loved the Bob Hope movies made six movies with Bing Crosby all on the road too so the road to Singapore the road to Zanzibar the road to Morocco the road to Utopia the road to Rio the road to Bali um and it was just these stupid, fun movies having adventures, and then you, you Americans get to see this different place. And so I have to explain that to say my understanding is it may take ten years, but you're on the road to Hilo. Oh yeah, I, I don't know how long it's going to take you. You, you, my, you love Hawaiian my culture. My final, my final destination in life is to own property and live on the Big Island of Hawaii. That's like where my heart is, and I will always be looking forward to that for years and years to come. Yeah, because you lived in uh, Waikiki neighborhood for about a year, and yep. uh, you love you love Hawaii and you love Hawaiian culture. And we had what four days of death marching around um, the Big <laughs> Island of Hawaii. Did you poor soul? We drove so many miles, and I was just going and going. And my to- poor dad, I-, I realized his age on that trip because I can just go forever, and he was getting real tired by the. <laughs> well, it's not just that, but there was the day that we started like at eight. And at 10 o'clock at night, we still had not had dinner. Um, that's <laughs> not, not dinner, a meal, no food, no food all day. And we're driving and we're hiking, we're driving our hockey. So it's not that I'm old, but I actually need nutrition. I can't just run <laughs> on air. You can't just eat corn pops like a handful every couple hours and keep going? <laughs> no, no. And as much as I authentically like the bad um, coconut coffee at 7-Eleven, when any, any Hawaiian island I've been in, and I actually like it, um, I can't just live on that. I actually have to have a meal, you know, at least once a day. So you're doing a lot of work. I'm watching you. You're looking something up on your computer. What are you looking up? Uh, I have to take care of it first, and then I will tell you. This is exciting. Okay. Yeah. There's, expen- there's suspense. I almost said expense. There's suspense. Your face is all lit up white. Yeah, because uh, I've got a white screen on. Yeah, it's... Uh... 
I just got to hit the purchase button. It's going to help your hurt. What, what is happening? We're going to help you with your brand. You know how I want to oh, help you're your... buying. You're buying road to Hilo on GoDaddy or some crap. Is that what's happening? Oh, yeah, I'm right. Oh, on the... Am I wrong? <laughs> road to Hilo. On the... No, no. On the road to Hilo.com. Because <laughs> you're on the road to Hilo. So, yes, I just yeah. per... thank you for your order. On the road to Hilo.com is now ours. What a place to end the show, man. <laughs> Um, real quick before we go on, um, the, the Pro Bowl's coming up. It's it's irrelevant, right? It's total nonsense. Other than Derek Carr, you know his tweet was hilarious. Uh, looks like mine got lost in the mail from a couple seasons ago. But hey, I'm glad to go. So like when he actually earned it, he didn't get it, and when he should have got it, and now he really didn't earn it, but he gets it anyway, so he's taking it. And if he and gets he's going back to Vegas, by the way, and if he gets hurt, they're on the hook for his entire con for his entire season. Oh, I, I almost wanted to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, they have to pay him <laughs> if he gets hurt. Yeah, what's well, cool, it's, it's Derek Carr going back to Vegas, too, which is kind of a fun little playing again for the Raiders. Because he'll be wearing a Raiders uniform. Yep. Like, which because you have to wear a Raiders uniform. You're still part of the Raiders, technically. So yep. it, it's going to be fun to like have the Raiders helmet on, at least, which is kind of a fun little tidbit there. But, yeah, I don't – it's why well, they're not even playing a game. It's a skills challenge, so maybe not. No, it's but, like football, I think. Is it? Yeah. I, I, see, I don't. I don't even care. I, I kind of hate the Pro Bowl. It just doesn't compel me at all. It's like yeah. the, when when they gave um, Tyler Huntley an invite to the AFC. Like, like why is Tyler Huntley in the, the Pro Bowl? It, it's clearly meaningless. Did you see that Josh Allen isn't playing because he's hurt, but he's golfing at Pebble Beach, <laughs> but he can't play in the Pro Bowl because he's injured. It's like what? there's no value. It just doesn't. I wish they would just make a list of like the, the players who deserve it and then give them like a bonus and move on. Like maybe just release a list and do like a special episode on NFL network revealing the list. That would be interesting. It'd be better than what it is now. Yeah. And, and the fact that Jalen hurts is not in the pro bowl is stupid. It's stupid. The Patrick Mahomes yeah. is not in the pro bowl. It's stupid. They, it, it, it's, it's not, it's not the best teams. It's just nonsense. It's just nonsense. Well, also one more thing. Last point here. As someone who lived in Hawaii, and someone who has now spent way too long in Vegas, it's 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 not a comparable destination. Like it used to be fun because at least you could take your family to Hawaii, and, and even Orlando's better because you get you get to take your family to Disney World. I don't know what is family what's exciting to bring your family about to Vegas. Like if you have young kids, you're not looking forward to the trip to take your eight year old to Vegas. I could see how you'd be excited to take your eight year old kid to Disney World in Orlando or Hawaii. I don't know what the draw is about Vegas for a, a, an NFL player that's got kids. It's just like, why, what, why are we doing this? You know what I mean? There's no like reason to bring your family and make it a, into an event. So why would you even go? Well, I got a hot travel tip for you then for Vegas. You know, I write food and travel content for the Culinary <sighs> Treasure Network. Yes, correct. Yeah. So you need to go to check out Circus Circus before you leave town. What is it called? Circus Circus. Circus Circus. Not Cirque du Soleil, but Circus Circus. Circus Circus. Yeah. It's incredible family oriented. Um, you go there and it will blow your mind. I'm afraid that you're subverting my expectations and it's actually like a bunch of dancers and poles, maybe. No, it's not <laughs> dancers and poles. <laughs> <laughs> At minimum, Google it and decide if you want to go. <laughs> should I should I Google it? No, here no, I want an update sh- next week to see if you actually went. I'm not going. Come on, you gotta go to circus. I'm not circus. doing it, man. It's incredible. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> 
All right, well, we should end it. I, I can't even yeah. – I, I, I Googled it, and it's going to take me too long to even understand what I'm looking at. So, <laughs> yeah. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. We'll talk about the Super Bowl next week. Uh, we won't talk about the Pro Bowl because it doesn't matter. And, uh, <laughs> and we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully there's something – I think there's going to be other news, so that'll be cool. So anyway, I love you. Appreciate you. And uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.